Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is March 8th, 2021. As a hungry child, growing up in a large family, some forays into cooking were essential. My early rice-making experiments, however, were exercises in frustration. I would start with a large sloshing pot of icy water, and having transported it to the stove with wobbly hands, I'd dump in a bag of rice and wait for results. It seemed to take ages for the water to heat up, as I peered down hopefully at the submerged pile of grain. Eventually things would begin to bubble and steam, But long before the rice came close to al dente, the water had boiled down, exposing an island of uncooked rice with an acrid burning smell emanating from the bottom of the pot. Over time, however, my skill increased. I'd measure quantities carefully. I'd fill the pot with warm water, make sure there was a good strong flame beneath it, and cover it with a lid, all in an attempt to bring it to a boil faster. Then I'd carefully turn it down to a simmer and patiently wait for better results. Just as I learned from my early experiments in cooking, both the Federal Government and the Federal Reserve seem to have learned something from their attempts to reheat the economy after the Great Financial Crisis. The economy is already surprisingly warm, and with the help of very aggressive policies, likely to heat up quickly from here. However, the critical question remains whether they have the skill and discipline to turn the policy temperature down to a simmer before inflation, and not just the economy, comes to a boil. At the outset, it should be acknowledged that economic conditions at the start of the year aren't quite as frigid as many had feared. New COVID-19 cases have fallen from a seven-day moving average of almost 260,000 in early January to roughly 60,000 today. The pace of improvement has slowed in recent weeks. However, a steady increase in vaccinations and a growing population with some natural immunity should continue to whittle these numbers down in the weeks ahead. This should also be the case for daily deaths from coronavirus, particularly as those with the greatest medical vulnerability have been prioritised in the vaccine rollout. With the authorisation of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the President has pledged that every adult who wants a vaccine will be able to get one by the end of May, and this seems attainable. Even with some worrying variants, it appears that the pandemic should recede over the summer. Meanwhile, even as the pandemic raged, retail sales in January were remarkably robust, while home buying and home building continued to boom. Bad weather and a shortage of inventory may have prevented much further progress in either of these areas last month. However, consumer activity should rebound further in March. We now expect real GDP to grow by between 2% and 3% annualised in the first quarter, leaving output less than 2% below its peak of the fourth quarter of 2019. Employment is similarly in a somewhat better place than feared. Friday's February jobs report showed a non-farm payroll gain of 379,000, roughly double the consensus forecast, and the unemployment rate edged down another one-tenth of a percent to 6.2%. The official unemployment rate does continue to understate the degree of dislocation in the labour market. While the number of unemployed people is 4.3 million higher than a year ago, the labour force is 4.2 million smaller, and those who left the labour force because of the impact of the pandemic on their industries are not counted in the official unemployment numbers. Still, of the 21.4 million private sector jobs lost in the pandemic, 13.3 million, or 62%, have now been recovered. The economy also appears to be in a warmer-than-expected place on inflation. Last week's meeting of the OPEC Plus Group, 
adopted a relatively tough line on maintaining production cutbacks, allowing the price of a barrel of WTI oil to reach $66.28 a barrel, its most expensive level since 2018. Chronic shipping delays and a very strong U.S. consumer demand for goods have boosted input prices, with the ISM Manufacturing Prices Paid Index coming in at 86 for February, its highest reading since 2008. And February wage growth of 5.3% year-over-year, while undoubtedly boosted by the loss of jobs in low-wage sectors, would still have been a strong 4.3% year-over-year if the broad sectoral employment mix was the same today as a year ago. Both economic growth and inflation should get a significant boost in the months ahead, from the American Rescue Plan, which passed the Senate over the weekend and will likely be signed by President Biden this week. There are multiple reasons why this legislation should be particularly effective at spurring a sharp economic recovery. The first is its magnitude. While the bill passed in the Senate carries a price tag of $1.86 trillion over 10 years, $1.17 trillion of this, or over 5% of annual GDP, will be dispersed into the economy in the next seven months. Second, it is clearly targeted at lower and middle-income households who have a much higher marginal propensity to consume than more affluent households. And third, because it should hit the economy just as the pandemic recedes, families are likely to spend a greater share of this windfall on domestic services, which have been shut down during the pandemic, rather than imported goods, thus lessening the potential economic drag of a widening trade deficit. There are also aspects of the legislation and a recovery from the pandemic which should boost inflation. While the final bill did not raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour, it did include a $300 boost to weekly unemployment benefits through the start of September. In January, the average regular unemployment benefit paid across the United States was $346. As a practical matter, this means that any employer seeking to restart their service sector business in the next few months will have to pay wages of over $600 or over $15 an hour for a 40-hour week, even for the least compensated employees. While this boost in wages would, of course, be welcomed by low-wage workers, it would also add to inflation pressures. In addition, declining immigration, due first to policy changes and then the pandemic, will continue to squeeze labour supply in the year ahead. CPI inflation for February due out this week should show only a modest 1.6% year-over-year gain in prices, or 1.3% excluding food and energy. However, we expect both numbers to vault over 2% by April, due to easier comps with last year. By the end of this year, we expect that these numbers could see some further upward pressure, as booming demand meets limited supply for both goods and services. This should push inflation, as measured by both the core and headline consumption deflators, above 2% year-over-year by the fourth quarter. In an earlier era, this very expansionary fiscal policy might have been counteracted by monetary restraint. However, as Fed Chairman Jay Powell has made clear in a number of presentations in recent weeks, the Fed has no intention of tightening early. In particular, he has hinted that the Fed's target for maximum employment probably means something less than a 4% unemployment rate, and the Fed will look past an increase in the year-over-year inflation rate caused by either easy comparisons with the economy of early 2020 or a transitory post-pandemic surge in consumer spending. Because of this, we still do not believe the Fed will raise the federal funds rate until 2023. However, early next year, the Fed will likely be looking at an economy with very strong economic growth, an unemployment rate well below 5%, and inflation above 2%. If this is, in fact, the case they may well signal a tapering of bond purchases, potentially leading to a further climb in long-term interest rates. For investors, this might be considered to be a baseline scenario. However, it's also important to recognise that higher long-term interest rates might not, on their own, take the economy off the boil. 
Most of the provisions of the American Rescue Plan expire at the end of 2021 or sooner. However, a second reconciliation bill will likely wend its way through Congress later this year. And this may well extend some of the largesse of the Rescue Plan, such as the child, childcare and earned income tax credits, as well as devoting extra resources to infrastructure. If this materialises, then the economic surge could extend through 2022, pushing unemployment down to a new modern era lows and igniting higher inflation both in wages and in goods and services. Such a scenario would pose an immediate risk to the bond market. However, if it forced the federal government or the Federal Reserve to finally implement more hawkish policies, it could lead to a bust following a boom for both the economy and the stock market. The prospect of an end to the pandemic and strong economic recovery are, of course, very welcome and have contributed to stock market gains so far this year. However, investors will need to remain vigilant in case policymakers, having brought in the economy to a boil, either undershoot or overshoot in the next vital step of getting it to simmer down. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.